what is up what is up what is up everybody it's your boo it's your bae it's your doll carmine davis and this is the carmine davis show what the fuck has been up shit <sighs> it's actually it was actually a very tanked week for me i haven't been anywhere i've kind of sort of went on lockdown only had essential runs um like work related or um, business related uh, nothing really fun <laughs> i've been trying to I, I can't think of anything really really no no that's a lie i went to um we went to go eat so that's about as far as I've gone, and I think I'll probably never do that again. <sighs> We're still in this pandemic. It's crazy. But we're going to focus on the positive as much as possible, but we got to keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Whew. But any who's I? If you are listening to the show and it's your first time, maybe you keep coming in, slipping in and out, not subscribing, not following, not doing nothing, not doing your motherfucking part. Make sure you smash that follow button, that subscribe button, click the bell, do whatever you have. I don't, I think Google Play has a bell. I, I think I know there's a bell on Apple, but we are um, in part of Spotify, so Follow, subscribe, listen, rate this podcast. And as usual, reach out to me. Reach out and touch me. Let me know what you think about the show after we're finished. Tweet me at Carmine Davis. Uh, Carmine Davis Show on Instagram. Carmine Davis on Instagram. Our Carmine Davis Show Instagram DMs have been booming the last two weeks. Thank you so much. I read all of them. If they're not really spammy. Um, they end up being in the message folder and I get them and I love them and I appreciate you. Um, let's chop into the show. All right. And if you're new again, we always hop into first the hot topic. And this hot topic is coming from the lovely lovebscott.com. I love everyone. I love the site over there. They make sure that everything is certified. They make sure that everything, the sources are as I guess as verifiable as a blog can be. But I trust Love B. Scott and I think you should too. So the topic this week comes from Love B. Scott. And it's a topic that I have been trying to avoid discussing. I've it was a it's to me it's a table. I think there are different conversations. Like I feel like people think I'm someone who is like loud and or someone who's very opinionated about everything. But I even save certain conversations for certain times and places. Usually this is what we and my, my best friend said, a dinner table conversation. And, but I'm going to let them have it today. I'm going to say what I got to say and I'm going to set it and forget it. And it's about Jesse Smollett. Well, I won't, I won't go in. We all know what happened. And I, you can ask everybody around me. I called it. I didn't buy it. None of it made. 
any kind of sense. Not a little bit, not a lick, not a tad, not a variable of sense, but under the, you know, the assumption, why would he lie? People kept believing him, but I never believed it. But this is not so much about Jesse, Juicy Smollett. It's about his sister, Journey Smollett, who's never done anything wrong to anybody. So I'm going to run with this story. Um, Journey Smollett says, Brother Jesse's scandal has been, quote unquote, fucking painful. Praises his strength. <sighs> Here we go, girls. Okay. Journey Smollett says her brother Jesse's public scandal has been fucking painful to her, for her family. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, the Birds of Prey star who maintains her older brother's innocence op opened up and how... Okay. Opened up about how the controversy has affected the Smollett family, which includes Journey, 33, Jesse, 38, and her siblings, Jojo, 42, Jazz, 40, Jake, 31, and Jacquet. All those J's. Um, it's one of the most painful things my family has ever experienced. To love someone as much as we love my brother and to watch someone who you love that much go through something like this that is so public has been devastating, Journey told The Hollywood Reporter. I was already in a very dark space for a number of reasons and I've tried to not let it make me pessimistic. But everyone who knows me knows that I love my brother and I believe my brother, she added. Back in January 2019, Jesse was accused of orchestrating a fake homophobic and racist attack on himself in Chicago. While the 38-year-old actor was initially charged by a grand jury with the Class 4 felony of falsifying a police report, all charges were dropped four weeks later. However, in February 2020, the grand jury revived the case in which Jesse was charged with six counts of disorderly conduct and allegedly lying to the police. Well, Journey said it's maddening that she can't talk more about the scandal as her brother's case is still ongoing. She stressed that defending Jesse has made her feel supported and hasn't impacted her career. We are blessed to have a community of people who know him and know that he wouldn't do this. Journey said of Jesse, who THR notes briefly lived with her after she filed for divorce from her husband for of nearly 10 years at the beginning of the coronavirus quarantine. Um, it's a pretty cover. I'm going to put a link in, of course, a link to everything in the description box. Make sure you click those links. Check it out. Read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Because I'm about to give a couple of opinions. But anyway, she goes on to say, I mean, fuck, man. I look at him sometimes and I'm like, he's so strong. Journey continued, adding that Jesse has been staying creative as creative do, as creatives do. By singing, writing, working on music. The Friday Night Lights actress is currently promoting HBO's Lovecraft Country, a sci-fi horror series based on 2016 novel of the same name, which follows a young black man as he travels across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. We're telling the story of heroes that go on a quest to disrupt white supremacy, and it's maddening that in the year 2020 it's still relevant, Journey said. In her interview with THR, Smollett, who, like her siblings, got her start in the showbiz as a child, shares her frustration over past experiences as a Black woman in Hollywood. Being the girl on page 33 that's killed in a horror film was something I was consistently offered, and I don't judge others, but I couldn't do it. 
Journey recalled, noting that the roles as the girlfriend or the best friends also didn't appeal to her either. There are just so many ways in which this industry will try subliminally or overtly to erase your blackness. I don't apologize, she said, of working on the Lovecraft set. It'll be like, listen, this fake ass sexual harassment meeting that we're having, I'm going to raise my hand now and let you guys know that the standards that they're setting are bare minimum. She added, I don't know that I can confidently say that I worked on one job prior to Lovecraft where from the time I was 12 on where I hadn't been sexually harassed, whether it was my, was it by an AD, a co-star, director, or producer? Hmm. Lovecraft Country premieres August the 16th on HBO. Woo. That's a lot to unpack. Um, okay. What do y'all want to hear first? Like the positive or the negative? I believe in going positive first. Okay. So I love that Journey has worked so much in her career. I love that we've seen Journey. We've seen her grow up. I loved her and Birds of Prey. I thought she was awesome. I felt like she was, to me, the center of the role. I mean, the movie. I know that they think it's Harley Quinn, but I gravitated towards her character more. And I appreciate her sticking up for her brother. But like I said prior regarding, in another episode regarding Bill Cosby and his wife, family tends to be one or two things um, disillusioned about someone. Well, they tend to be disillusioned by their loved ones anyway. One way or another, they either think that their loved ones walk on water or they're extremely cautious of their loved ones. Like they think that they're up to no good. They think that that because they were, because they shat in their pants when they were eight years old, they will always grow up and be a little shit pants person. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like um, my family personally, I feel like it's like, like they think that I'm still 12. You know what I'm saying? Like they think I don't walk around here, don't eat vegetables. I don't work. I don't do any of these. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they will always think of you like when I was fucking six in the sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? Like they think you're always the same. In reality, they don't realize that, especially in the entertainment industry, it changes you one way or another. And I believe that Jesse probably wasn't that way before. Um, because he did it. I'm sorry. I don't know. If, I don't know. If, trigger warning. I don't know if there are people at home that maybe think differently. Um, but what Jesse did, it was clearly a lie. He lied. He lied. He lied. And he is lying to his family. Uh, and I think that that's awesome that they're sticking by him. You're disillusioned, you know, Journey and family, Smollett family. Um, <laughs> Smollett, um, you are, you are disillusioned. You're lying to yourself. That man did do that. And the notion that you can't talk about the case or... There are so much that we can't reveal. But if you could have revealed it before, if Jesse had these situations that proved his innocence, he would have done it and shared it a long time ago. So I have a big issue with Jesse. I really do. <laughs> I won't lie. Like that's, 
I don't think I would have problems with people. Like there are a few things that people and like I would probably wouldn't piss on if they were on fire and Jesse's one of them because he really shut so many doors in the face of people in the field who there are a lot of my friends have had hate crimes against them. I had a domestic violence dispute shortly after this happened and they I had to go through and already it's already hard to get officers especially when you're a guy to believe you were attacked or something of that nature especially a black man especially a gay black man like a gay you know what I'm saying like it's it's already hard so this is a big case and you made this you made this this big 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 moment trying to turn it around and make it a which I'm sure happens a lot in Hollywood but he just got caught and now you know people look at you like okay Jesse you know like people can't okay Juicy Smollett like people won't be able to take any of us seriously now so I don't know I get the idea of sticking by your family and I'm all about that but I'm more all about people being honest and and living in their truth and nobody around here is perfect not your brother not your sister not your mom nobody is people get out into the world and they make mistakes whether it's large or small like my mistakes are probably nothing in comparison to my mother's or my brother's or my father's or my uncle's or my cousins or you know i knock on wood, have been free of handcuffs. You know, like my problems, my dark moments might not match Jesse's, but at the same time, like I've had dark moments that in my own, in my own life, and I have my secrets that my family isn't privy to know. But that doesn't mean that you can't support that person. Just don't, I think, don't negate or don't throw away the fact that your brother is lying. You know, like, let's live in reality, but there might be a reason why he is lying. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going, I'm not going to give Jesse any more ratings than he already has. I feel like that's so whack to me, but I love Journey. I think she's gorgeous. I think she's so talented. I think it must suck to have had to work your way all the way to the top since you were a kid. And here comes your brother trying to scandal his way to the top, but... You know, whatever. And they look so much alike. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. Light, bright family. <laughs> you know, we love light skin, dark skin, all of them. But anyway, I'm going to get off of that. Again, click the link to read the whole story on Love B. Scott. And if you are just tuning in for whatever reason, maybe you just gotten... Um, you know, you, your friend dropped their AirPod and you're just tuning in and who is this sexy motherfucker on a mic? It is me, Carmine Davis, and this is the Carmine Davis Show. And I want you to smash, follow, subscribe, like this podcast, review it, give me five stars. Like I say, cause I am a five star bitch. I sound like it. I look like it. I smell like it. So give me my tens, give me my fives and let's move on to this week's artist spotlight. Which is something that I was trying to prolong because this is my favorite music group. My second favorite music group of all time. 
And it is the ladies, Atlanta's very own Escape. Oh, Candy, Tamika, the Tamikas, Latasha. Like, I heard go on and on about the music R&B group Escape. We're going to take it all the way from the start. I'm going to try not to bring Mama Joyce in this. I think she's a toxic mother. I love Candy. But I do think she's a toxic mother. But I'm going to leave her mama out of this. You don't go there about the mamas. Because if somebody brought my mama in this, I'd have a problem. All right. What can we talk about that you don't already know about Escape? Probably a lot. Okay. So Escape um, is an American female R&B group or a vocal quintet from Atlanta, Georgia. They were formed in 1992 by Candy Burris, Tamika Tiny Cottle, Latasha, and Tamara Coggins Ween and Tamika Scott. So I don't know if you knew that there was a... So they are actually a quintet at first and now they're a quartet. They were signed to Jermaine Dupri shortly after... In 1992, after he heard them singing at a party for crisscross i want to say the group really released their debut album humming coming at you in 1993 which spawned two of their biggest hits just kicking it and understanding the album was certified platinum the following year in a couple of months actually on february the 1st 1994 escape has sold more than 30 million records worldwide that's huge they only have three albums 30 million records worldwide did you know that you didn't because y'all sleep on escape so the group went on to release their second album off the hook which is my favorite album out of the group it's one of my top 10 favorite r&b albums maybe top five of all time top five i would i would say top five top five they released Off the Hook in 1995 and was certified platinum on November 19th, 1995. And with the lead single, Feel So Good and Who Can I Run To, which were both certified gold in the United States. The third and final album, Trace to My Lipstick, was released in 1998. The lead single, The Arms of Who, The Arms of the One Who Loves You, was certified gold on May 14th, 1998. And the album was certified platinum on June 21st. 1999 in the United States. So I want people to see a common denominator. Everything that Escape did was a hit. Not many R&B groups. If you've heard our spotlight when we do spotlight a lot of other R&B groups, most of the time their debut album sells 10 and then their Second album goes gold. Their third album goes gold. And then they get that one platinum record. But Escape consecutively sold platinum records. And in the 90s, a black female R&B group. They were, that's a huge deal. So if you can't give them their tens for anything else, give them for that. Um, of course, the group disbanded in 1998 to pursue solo projects and reformed in 2017 to go on tour. On February 11th, 2018, it was announced that Candy Burris had taken a hiatus due to being on Broadway and wouldn't be featured on new music. This could be, this caused the group to temporarily downsize and rebrand to Escape 3. 
featuring Tamika, Tiny Harris, sisters Tamika Scott and Latasha Scott. Escape 3 released singles Wiped Up, Dream Killer, which spawned their release of their first EP and as a trio here for it, released in March the 2nd, 2018. And it was announced that they fired their manager, Vincent Herbert, which everybody fired Vincent Herbert at that time. But anyway, those are the highlights, but let's dive into Escape. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's get to them, these women, what... I feel like they're one of the most mysterious R&B groups to date because nobody really, really knows what happened with these girls. <laughs> nobody knows what really ticked these girls off. And they don't either. They just be mad at each other and don't even know. But that's sisterly love and we'll get into that. But Escape came out and they were like the female Jodeci at the time. They all could sing lead but they also blended so well. That's one thing that I admire about those girls is that they all have such, every one of them has such a unique timbre in their voice, such a, a weird tone between all of them, all four of them. If you heard those girls singing by themselves, you would never put those four women together to sing. And the fact that they come together so magically and so beautiful. It's like butter. It's weird. It's almost like they morph together. That's what I love about those girls. But any who's up. Now, another thing that I love about those girls is the fact that they were just such... They could, aside from, I believe that they can sing anything, but they were such a paradox of different things. They were so sexy and their music and their song choices... You know, even at a young age, from the humming coming at you, them girls were going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hate to call, I say girls are going. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they were a little fast, tat little girls. But they also were don't fuck with me type. They were rough around the edges, the baggy clothes. But they knew the Lord. Like, you know how I feel about singers that know the Lord. They could literally kick it on a hip-hop beat and give you such a gospel melody and harmony and keep it sexy. Kind of like me, but anyway. But like I said, they were started off as a quintet and they were in College Park where most of the girls were raised. It started with all five of the girls and they got their inspiration from, Latasha was technically the lead. She started the group, she was the voice of the group and she was inspired by her father who was in a music group named The Scott Three. And Tasha started actually at a young age recording in the Mount Olive Church in College Park. And I've actually passed by that church so many times. And I'm always like, that's where Tasha started. That's where Tasha started. But nobody really gives a shit. But she wasn't the little cute, little pretty little girl. But when she used to get on the mic at church, and if you've ever been to a deep Southern church, that's when you got the attention. You grabbed the mic and she cleared all the girls. She, all the, her little, she was a little chunky, um, you know, back in the day, unfortunately, she was a little dark skinned girl. So technically she, they didn't consider her pretty, but she was a pretty girl. But that caused her little sister, Tamika, who was also in the group, to have a kind of a sibling rivalry. She listened to her sister. She emulated her sister's sound, but she wanted to be better. So I, they both got their big voices from actually competing with each other in the church. 
hollering, like holler matches, and they would go back and forth. And she's like, I'm gonna sing circles around her. And they had a friendly competition where they would try to outsing each other. That eventually, but they that was at only at church because in school they used to fight for each other. Tamika would get picked on, or Latasha would get to picked on, and Tamika would come in and fight for her at school. The youngest one, which I get, which I get, my brother was like that too. I was a little timid little boy, and my brother was kind of the rowdy one. So I get how that could happen. But at that particular school, that's where they met Candy. Candy was in the ninth grade. Tamika was in the tenth, and Latasha was a senior. And they used to get together and go sing at the same church. They were singing together. Candy was like, we should be a group. We should be a group. Well, we can't do it alone. So Candy met a girl named Tamara Coggins. She met her at a summer performing arts camp. So they got together and they were a quartet. And then, of course, boom, into the door she struts, the little one, Tamika Tiny Coddle. Now, Tamika was the youngest, of course. She was in the eighth grade while Candy was in the ninth. Tamika was in the 10th and Latasha was in the, a senior and I'm assuming that the other girl was in the same grade as Candy. Now, like the Scott sisters, Tiny comes from a musical background. Her father was in a group that I actually know of, the Tams. He, they used to tour together all around. They were in the Chitlin Circuit, but I actually have heard of the Tams because it was on a sample of one of the records I listened to. It was a rap record or something. So they got all five girls together, but they were just missing a name. So they were just going together, thinking about like, what, what, what should their name be? She's like, you know, we weren't different. We were so different from all the rest of the girls and we're just a, an escape from everything. And Latasha was like, boom, that's the name. That's the name of the group. And that's how they got the name Escape. So they eventually got a manager who got them a spot on Teen Summit, on BET's Teen Summit. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that or remember that one, but Anyway, so they were practicing, practicing, and they were going to do Invokes Hold On for to the Teen Summit. But the last minute, they told them that they couldn't use the backing track for copyright purposes. So they kicked it a cappella, and this is what it sounded like. They won. They were the teen summit of that year and they thought immediately that they were going to get signed, but nothing happened. They didn't hear from anyone. They didn't. It was a while before they actually got a big deal. Uh, but in the process, they Tan had the big blowout with their manager at the time. He didn't feel like she was a part of the group. She wasn't a real singer and he wanted her gone. So the, he made them choose that if they worked with 
her, they couldn't work with him anymore. So they made the choice and they put her out the group. But eventually in the end, they lost their manager too. And they had went end up, <laughs> he ended up dropping them. And then he ended up getting with the manager who developed TLC in 1993. He was known in Atlanta and he got a call from the young producer named Jermaine Dupri. The year before, they actually sung at his birthday. I said Criss Cross earlier. They sang on his birthday. He was like, yeah, I know these girls. After he had gotten Jermaine Dupri pop, I mean, not Jermaine Dupri, he had gotten Criss Cross pop. And he was like, no, I want to do something different with an R&B group. I want to sign them. So they immediately signed, signed with Jermaine Dupri, So So Def Records, and worked on Hum and Coming At You, which spawned the hits straight, I mean, just kicking it and understanding. These were huge, like, pop hits it was number two on the the pop charts just kicking it it only was held from the number one spot from mariah carey dream lover so that was a big deal their look and everything made them a movement the baggy clothes and all that that jermaine dupri donned them in because he wanted people just to focus on their their voices he didn't want people to look at them like tlc with all the crazy colors they were dark bandanas he wanted people to focus on their voices but it ended up being like a movement all the girls wanted to dress like them and you know in that movement of the baggy clothes and the bandanas and oversized jeans tamika not tiny tamika was pregnant she was pregnant and they were huge at this time so they were like at that time this isn't this isn't you're not talking about cardi or um, the Beyonce type. This was early 90s. They were done with them girls. They wanted to get rid of Tamika. And they were like, okay, so do we get rid of another girl of the group to make it? And, you know, we already know these girls are kind of cutthroat. So they were getting ready to go on tour with R. Kelly, which was, that's a huge deal. This, the year was 94, 93. They're getting ready to go on tour with R. Kelly. Michael Malden, who is Jermaine Dupri's uncle, daddy, brother, something like that. He gave her an ultimatum, have the baby and be out of the group or abort it and go on tour. Now, these are church girls. So Tamika was like, no, I'm keeping this baby. This is a, a gift from God. And, you know, they ride together, them Scott sisters from the playground. So Latasha was like, okay, well, if you're going to replace her, then you got to replace me. And that's when the division kind of began because, of course, they didn't replace her. And you can even see her pregnant in her third single, Love on My Mind, which I love that song. And the video, if you've ever watched the video, she is very much pregnant. She is big and pregnant and out dancing everybody. And <laughs> she is dancing down. So she had her baby a week after the video shoot and they just pressed on. They were on tour. They were on the top of their career and they were getting ready to do their next album off the hook. But they were suffering from an image problem. They Everybody used to roast them about how they were the ugly girls that sang. And then Biggie dropped Dreams where he said, um, I'd rather fuck RuPaul than fuck them ugly ass escape bitches. So, of course, in New York radio, what Biggie said was gold. So, people were roasting them, calling them the ugly escape bitches. So, this time around, they wanted to spruce up their image and have a little bit more sensuality. Now, you know, fast forward to their first single, Feel So Good, 
y'all were roasting them and they ditched the bandanas and the baggy clothes and wore suits, sexy little suits and little body outfits because these are Christian girls at the time. You know, they might have been going, but we know we know how them, you know, church girls are. I don't know. It's a cat suit, a bodysuit, you know what I'm saying, and some pants. But on the video for Feel So Good, they sexied up their image, which is one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite videos. But during this process is when they started butting heads, specifically Candy and Tasha. They were always who shot John in and it was it was just so much that they they were together so long. They were again on tour with R. Kelly and they just could not get along. To make matters worse, Latasha started becoming the lead singer. They were aligning her as the girl and the lead singer. So she wanted her own manager, which ended up being her boyfriend, Rocky Bivens. So he loved her. He was actually a security guard for R. Kelly on tour. That's how they met. He loved her. He thought she was this shit. He was a big fan of hers. And they feel like he was persuading her to go kind of solo. There she was in the middle of the photos. She was speaking the most during the radio interviews. And they weren't having it. So they were like, we need another manager. And of course, that caused a bigger rift between the girls, especially between Candy and Tasha. But of course, in the process, they... Continued to deliver hits. Who Can I Run To? Which was the cover of the Joneses Girls. Who Can I Run To? Knocked it out the park. They were... Might not have gotten along. But they were churning out hits. But during that process. They were getting overlooked for uh, other girl groups. Like TLC. And um, at that time it was... Left, uh, uh, SWV, they were huge at the time. And then there were new girl groups coming in when they would do top 10 lists of the best girl groups or the best musicians out there. They were overlooked and they didn't understand why because they were consecutively platinum. They had six top 10 hits. So this next record around, they wanted to change the narrative. They wanted to go pop. So Jermaine Dupri brought in Diane Warren and Babyface to help them on Traces of My Lipstick. And in that process, they were meeting new producers, meeting all these huge pop writers, but they wanted Tasha to sing their song. Tasha sing the lead. Tasha, Tasha, Tasha. And Candy and the other girls did not want to hear that. But during all that, Candy was doing her dirt. She was fucking Jermaine Dupree. And she was rumored to have been fucking Jermaine Dupree's. I think Michael Malden was. She was, Michael Malden was actually JD's dad. So, Candy. So, they were in a meeting. All of this kind of resurfaced and Latasha was just going in on all of them, especially Candy. So, she was like, are you finished? Are you finished? And then they start fighting. They were hustling in the studio. Tamika jumps in and Candy started whooping her ass. And this was at the beginning of their next record. <laughs> Traces of My Lipstick, which eventually dropped. They did the single, of course, My Little Secret, which burned up the charts. But these bitches were trying to kill each other behind the scenes. But Latasha was like, okay, y'all don't want me here. I'm gone. So she did a solo project. Candy, Tiny, and Tamika went on tour as a trio, but nobody wanted to see them. So they broke up. But that didn't stop Candy and Tiny from working together and they tried to do a duo, duo, which was horrible. But in the process, they recorded and wrote a song and submitted it to TLC and it was No Scrubs, which kept them laced. <laughs> Started their songwriting 
endeavors, which ended up being TLC, their rival group's biggest song. They won a Grammy and that kind of kickstarted Candy as a songwriter. She got in her bag and she ain't looked back since. But the other girls, Tiny, Tamika, and Latasha, wanted a revival of the group. Tasha's solo career did not go anywhere, so they wanted to come back together in five after five years and did a trio, and they added another girl, so they became a quartet. That didn't work because at that time, Tiny was with T.I. T.I. started jumping off, and he was like, why would you want to fuck with them? The business isn't right. Why don't you just stay down to come up with me? I'm about to become this big rapper. Uh, Latasha did not want um, Rocky to not be their managers. The business wasn't right. So they just stopped. Even after releasing my one of my favorite Escape songs, What's Up? They were just like, no, nah, let's not do it. Um, and I don't know what year. They did that reunion tour for the 25th anniversary of So So Death. Half of them showed up. It was the Scott sister showed up. Tiny and Candy were probably counting their money somewhere in Georgia. And Tamika felt some type of way about it. She kept getting asked why they didn't show up. So she let it rip in a radio interview, which pissed off Candy. She went in about Michael Malden, how she was fucking her way to the top. She slept with Gerald LeBert. She did all this. So that pissed Candy off and put them even further apart. All the way into 2017, these women have not spoken to each other in almost over 10 years. The money started rolling in. Candy became a housewife. T Tiny was a housewife to the biggest rapper, you know, of the times. Uh, Tamika and Tiny, I mean, Tamika and uh, Latasha uh, were doing something. I don't know, but they were doing stuff and. They were like, okay, 2017 is time. They started offering top dollar to see Escape, opposed to the Little Fish, and that woke up the tourists in Candy. The stubbornness made her stay away from them, but the money kind of was like, maybe I can fuck with y'all a little bit <laughs> after you apologize publicly. She made Tamika apologize publicly, and they were on a row, and they were back on the road again. But during the process, they wanted to do new music. Candy was like, no, nah, I'm good on that. She felt like they had a legacy to maintain. They had never not had a public or a platinum record. Why would you ruin that? Especially right now when people are not buying records. So they reinvented themselves as a trio as Escape 3. They released the EP, which was pretty good. I liked the EP. And um, there has been no talks about it since. I think they go on tour still. But they're like each other. <laughs> they get along now and they got their bag. They're all eating and they live happily ever after. They're sisters again. They get along. They can tolerate each other. They are a legacy. And they are iconic. And I feel like we should give them their roses. So this one actually ended really well. What do you think about that? Tweet me. <laughs> I'm rushing because I see the time. <laughs> I'm running over. I never want to push past 50 minutes on a podcast. By this time, like, you probably already... Your ears is probably already orgasmed over my beautiful, sexy, luscious voice that y'all keep talking about. Oh. 
let's move it on. But until, before you do that, just in case you are just tuning in, make sure that you follow, subscribe, like, and review this podcast. Okay? Let them know that you like me. Let them know you fuck with the doll. Like, what's up? But anyway, the last segment I'm going to run it through. It is the love and relationship segment and love relationship and sex segment technically and today this one is brought to you in part by uh, you guessed it cosmopolitan.com and we are going to run through this really quickly and this is important 19 women want to teach you how to take a dick pic now this can be said true whether you're hetero or homo I like saying hetero homo. I like sticking that in there. It's like a privilege, I guess, that I get to say that. Like, nigga. I feel like people have an issue with me, but I can. So anyway, hetero and homo, listen up. When you're sending a dick pic, these women are going to tell you these are real, real, real things. This is valuable advice. So listen up. We got 19 of it. I'm going to spit it to you really fast. Write it down really quickly. This is something that needs to be said because dick pics are disgusting. I hate a dick pic. Like sending them, I think they're weird. Um, and a lot of there are some really nice ones on Twitter, which I don't get on Twitter for, but a lot of my friends do. And I feel like there's some on like Jacked or Tinder that I'm just like, why are you sending me this? They look horrible. So if you're one of those people who like to send dick pics, make sure that they're good, okay? One. This is from Krista, who's 24. She says, one of the hottest dick pics I've ever received was when a guy took one directly out of the shower. It was a full body frontal picture in this bathroom mirror. Because of the steam, the mirror was a bit foggy, but you could see just enough of the whole body that it was actually an incredibly sexy picture, which also happened to include a great sneak peek of his package. I agree. If you're going to send a dick pic, make it like sexy, steamy. Give me a scene. Give me a scenario. Two, okay, honestly, I'm really into dick videos lately. Show me what you're working with in a better way than what any picture can show me. That was Rhea. She's 27. Um, Number three, I like when a guy's hand has a good grip on it, if you know what I mean. That was Nico, 21. That's a pretty name for a girl, or is it a girl? Um, Four, I prefer videos. Also, knock it off. (laughs) Knock it the fuck off with the emojis. That was Taylor. She's 20. Five, once I got a flaccid dick pic, that was weird. So, like, don't do that. That was Kate in 21. She's 21. I agree. Like, why? I've Like, the last couple of dick pics I got were flaccid dick. Who want? Why? Why? Like, oh, let me see that flaccid dick of yours. Like, why? 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 It's rude. It's kind of rude. Like, I don't even like looking at a flaccid dick. If you come to my house and your dick is not rock, like, go home. Go home. I don't care if you're bottoming or topping or just oral or just jack. I don't give a fuck. Like, if you... That's one of my pet peeves. Like, I'm not touching a limp dick. I'm not. But anyway, that was about Kate, not about me. Six, close-up shots are horrifying. Stand back a little bit. Sarah, 21. Seven, don't do the thing where you press down on your balls to make your dick pop and look bigger. What? We know it's not that big. Also, a little mood lightning never hurts. I agree. Like bad nighttime lighting where everything looks yellow and you have to use flash, that's a no-go. But a fresh out-of-the-shower mirror picture is always a safe bet. 
Okay, we like clean dicks. That was Sophie at 26. Um, I'm a sucker for an artsy dick pic. Some, me too. Some may think it's a bit narcissistic, but using a self-timer and laying out on something is sexy as fuck. I want to look at you like the fucking work of art you are. And in my opinion, that should be a full body nude. That's because I don't see a dick and it turns on. It does nothing for me visually, but I think the human body is stunning. Liz, she's 24 and I agree with her. Nine, it's hot when it's an actual body shot. Okay. Megan, 24. The angle is everything. I don't want it just from the top to see the head or in the bottom of the see the balls. But um, <laughs> but if it's from, okay, if you listen to this with your mom or your aunt or if, I don't know, you're an old teacher of mine or um, a music coach or um, just <laughs> log out. It's cool. Because I'm probably going to say dick probably like 40, 50 more times. So just log out, okay? I love you. And and mom, auntie, if you listen to this, I love you. I'm not out here hauling like that. Rude. That's Luna, and I guess she agrees or disagrees. I don't know what that was all about. But anyway, let's move on. Um, first of all, it doesn't matter on the angle lighting or frame of your dick pic. If we didn't ask for a picture, don't send it. Boom. I have never asked for a dick pic in my life. Never have, never will. I think that that is so weird. Like, that is so weird. I agree with you, Taylor, 25. I agree with you. I have never. I don't I don't know why people think that that's like a way of saying hello. I think that is so strange. Like, I literally don't wake up and be like, I wish I could just see a stranger's dick on Tinder. Never. That's not. I want to see Hando's dick on my Twitter feed. Never. That is not. That's weird to me. Okay. A photo of a guy touching his dick makes it look hotter than just a lonely penis staring at your face. Okay. Rachel, 35. I hear you. When guys send a dick pic, I actually really don't want to see the dick. I'm more interested in seeing his abs or his dad bod stomach and maybe a little bit of booty. Okay, Maddie. She's 21. She is into the ass. I agree. A little bit. Like, I'm not really looking at the dick. I'm kind of looking around. I have a really bad habit of looking at everything but the dick pic. Like, the dick. Like, I'm looking at how much socks you have on the floor. How ugly your flooring is. How horrible your sheets are. How... <laughs> fucking ugly your wallpaper is like I'm looking at everything how dingy or how ashy your ankles are uh, just don't send them to me without asking um okay Sarah 31 when it comes to dick pics I don't care if you are three inches or nine accurate representation is important I agree a Good dick pic is a well-framed, you should be able to see the lower abs or at least a whole pubic area. Hmm. If the dick owner is self-conscious and some thigh. I agree. I agree with you, Janice. Um, she goes on and says, if I send you some high quality content, then you sending a pic of your dick hands and <laughs> dick hard and hanging out of your underwear in your messy bathroom is not going to cut it. All right, Janice. I personally like a hand in the picture because I really like to imagine that the guy is actively jerking off for me in some capacity. Ooh. All right, spicy Selena. 
20 years old. I actually love dick pics that don't show everything. I'm just way more attracted to a photo of a clothed boner than a naked photo. Me too. Me too, Dia, 26. I think I read that incorrectly. She does not like a bare dick. She likes dick prints. And I prefer that too. It's more artsy. Oh no. For me, a dick on its own isn't attractive. Like obviously unsolicited dick pics are awful for many reasons. But one thing I hate about them is that they always just some smelly looking dick without con <laughs> without context with the flash on <sighs> if you do it poorly it can end up looking like cockzilla is about to attack your head <laughs> rachel 24 okay shit like and the last one i'm looking for an accurate photo that shows true size and girth okay when mika 27 i i'm gonna end this again by saying just don't even bother with me. I like to see it in person. I like to, it's like, I don't, to me, I don't like to window shop. I don't like to go to the mall. I don't like to look around. I, that's not my thing. I've never been a window shopper. If I'm at the mall, I'm buying. Unless I couldn't find what I wanted. I, I like to see what I, right then. Like if I see it, I want it. I want it right there where I can have it. So I don't like dick pics. I think dick pics are, I've, Never really, I've never asked for one. I don't know why I probably get four or five a day. Most people would say I'm just blessed, but you can have them. You can have them, but if you're going to send me dick pics, make sure that they're top tier, five stars, artistic. I'm not giving you one. You're not about to leak my shit. I literally, a dude who sent me a dick pic yesterday, it was a screenshot of his dick pic and on his he didn't even screenshot it from like the picture view it was the gallery view so underneath all the pictures underneath the picture it was a, a bunch of pictures of screenshots of randos nudes like a bunch of them i'm talking all kinds of flavors like it was like baskin robbins in that bitch in the bottom of his photo like and i was like you if i catch i sent him a little sexy something but of course mine are artistic top tier it's not nudes but a little something a little something <laughs> something i want mine leaking you know mine is artistic and i think a lot of women do it too like when women show me their nudes like which i'm i'm that friend that you can show me your nudes i'm not looking at your titties or your vagina trust me your ass i'm looking at the overall quality and i appreciate it artistic women tend to be more artistic about their nudes and i'm the same way and i think everybody should be don't just nobody wants to see some random dick just sitting there winking at them like what the fuck who started that who started that but anyway i think that's a good way to end the show i love you stop sending dick pics and if you're gonna send a dick pic do it right and now you know how to the people at Cosmopolitan.com and that's my show. This is Carmine Davis and you listen to Carmine Davis Show. Follow, subscribe, like, rate this podcast. I love you and I'll see you next week. Be careful, have fun, be safe, wear a mask. Love you.